working our way through the book of Joshua. I don't know about you guys, but the book of Joshua to me is just like a comic book. I just think it's just incredible. I can visualize and see all of these things taking place. I can visualize the soldiers and the army and the dust and the buildings and the fire and all this stuff. So hopefully you're getting a little bit of a glimpse of that as we're going through this. But I'm going to give a little bit of review last week from last week's message um, that, was, that this whole message is called Setting the Stage for Victory. Last week we were talking about uh, that message part three, which was Victory Begins. And what we saw was God's plan for defeating his enemies start to take shape as Joshua and the warriors of God had literally turned and run from the king of Ai and his men and as they were pouring out of the city. And what we considered, first of all, was how it was that they ran. How was it they were, they were running? We noticed that they were running with patience as they were trusting God and doing exactly what he asked of them. Now, that seems simple. That sounds easy. But trusting God in the midst of sick circumstances and situations is sometimes very, very difficult. Because it's easy to trust God when things are going great, but when things are going so well, when, when you hear the roar of the army chasing behind you, it's hard for you to be like, man, God's got this, right? Sometimes we can allow our emotions to get a hold of us. And what will happen is in those moments, though we may know we're supposed to trust God, sometimes we struggle to do so. And we know that our enemy, our enemy is a roaring lion. The Bible talks about him in 1 Peter 5.8. The Bible says, be sober. This is speaking to Christians. Be sober. Be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. He is hunting us. The Bible uses the word adversary. Adversary translates enemy. He is our enemy, and he is hunting us. So sometimes it's difficult to trust God when you can hear his breath or hear his roar in your life. Sometimes we can be overwhelmed. But what we saw modeled with these Israelites is the fact that they were willingly trusting God. They were patiently trusting the Lord because you know why? They knew what was to come. God had given them insight on how things were going to play out. And guess what? God has given us insight into how things are going to play out. We can look at all of human history from the time of creation of man all the way into eternity in His Word. So we have the opportunity to know what's there. But we saw not only was it uh, that aspect of patience, but we also saw the fact that their knowledge and understanding of what was to come gave them purpose. They understood what it was they were doing and they understood why they were doing it. Their job, what was their job? Their job was to weaken the city. Their job was to draw out the forces of the enemy. And what happens is you and I, guess what? We understand our purpose. Our purpose. We're in this world at this time. And many of us look at the world right now and we're like, whoa, you know what? How about if I could live back in the 50s when it wasn't quite so contentious and so crazy and isn't such a mess? But recognize the fact that God has us here at this time, specifically at this time, we're on this planet for a purpose. Our life is supposed to impact those around us. And what we find is the fact that as we are in this world, it's not so that we can fight the world. It's not our job to battle and fight the world. It's our job is to battle its influence in our lives. We don't want to give it strength. Our job is to weaken the power of the world and its influence in our lives. Not only for our sake, but for those that we'll reach, that our lives are going to speak to. And what we also saw last week was the fact that what was instrumental in deteriorating the power of the enemy was the presence of their Joshua, right? Joshua, who's a picture of Christ. 
And what happened was God used Joshua to implement his plan for his people. They were to turn and run from the enemy. But what we also saw was the fact that Joshua's presence in holding out that spear. Remember he held out the spear? And what did that signal? The mighty men of valor. where they would turn and they would come pouring out of the city. They would come, you know, or no, they would pour upon the city and bring destruction upon it. So what we saw was the fact that here's devastation in the city. And what happened was there's the picture. Remember, the flesh is pictured in the city of Ai. But what we found is the fact that God's ultimate plan for defeating his people or defeating his enemies is the fact that the flesh would lose its strength. Now, what's going to happen is God's going to shift tactics today. We're going to see him shift over to the men of Ai, not the, not the city. And what our job is to take the tactics of what we hear and we understand practically in this physical battle. And our job is then take it and relate it and use it in our spiritual battle. So when we learn this, don't just learn it as a historical lesson of like what took place for Joshua. Joshua, Remember, God is picturing it for us so that we can turn around and use it in our day-to-day lives. And we should be excited. We should be encouraged. Because guess what? Victory is just on the horizon. Amen. And as we go a little bit further, before we go any further, what I want to do is just make sure that we understand. Remember, we recognize the fact that AI is a picture of the flesh. And we've seen this aspect of God battling against the flesh. But what we're also going to pay attention to, like I said, is God shifting his attention over to the men of AI. What do they represent? They represent the works of the flesh. So AI representing the flesh, the works of the flesh are represented in the men. What empowers the flesh is the works of the flesh. So as the flesh is being dealt with, guess what? We also also have to address the works of the flesh. So as the flesh is being devastated and as we see the city falling apart, The whole goal is the fact that God is going to place his attention on addressing those issues, those works in our lives. And so as we witness this taking place, right now the city's on fire. Right now the smoke is billowing up into the sky. And what we're going to see this morning and as our fourth part of our message, which is called Setting the Stage for Victory, today is called Smoke Signals. But it has a little excerpt on the bottom, which is the flesh's defeat. And what we'll see today, we'll see four things. We're going to see, first of all, that the smoke, what it's going to do, it's going to signal something. To the the enemies, it's going to signal their defeat. For God's people, it's going to signal victory. We're going to see that it's going to unite God's forces against his enemies, and we're going to see that it will facilitate the surrender of authority. Mm. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've taught us, and Lord, what you've uh, revealed in this word. I pray that, God, our hearts and minds would be open and ready to receive what you have. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me. I know that you've spoken to me, but Lord, I do not want to get in the way. Lord, I know my flesh. I know right now, if, if there's a battle taking place, Lord, I know I am right in the thick of it, that my flesh is doing all that it can to try to distract from this message. And Lord, I pray that you help me to surrender to you, that, God, your spirit would take hold, take charge, and that, Lord, you would direct all that's said and, Lord, all that's done. Lord, help us, God, to have ears to hear that we might be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here we go. Pray for me. Here we go. Here we go. This is defeat, right? How do we bring the victory? Verse 20. And when the men of Ai looked behind them, and they saw, and behold, the smoke of the city ascended up to heaven. And they had no power to flee this way or that way. And the people that fled to the wilderness turned back upon the pursuers. And when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had, had taken the city, and that the smoke of the city ascended, then they turned again and slew the men of Ai. And the other issued out of the city against them. So they were in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side. And they smote them so that they let none of them remain or escape. Verse 23, And the king of Ai they took alive and brought him 
to Joshua. So what we're witnessing here is the destruction of the city. The mighty men of valor have dramatically turned the tide of this situation. So as the burning city would now be catching the eyes of these AI soldiers, recognize the smoke's billowing up behind them. And what that smoke is going to do is it's going to signal to them defeat that signal to, it's, it's, it's going to signal defeat to his enemies. First, listen to verse 20. And when the men of Ai looked behind them, they saw, okay, they recognized. And behold, the smoke of the city ascended up to, notice the wording, heaven. And they had no power to flee this way or that way. So with the sky filling up with the smoke of Ai, the soldiers have gone from confident and prideful to despondent and fearful. Can you imagine what would have been going through their minds? Because remember, God told us they thought this was an easy victory. They looked and they said, this is just like it was before. So here they come pouring out. And now when they see the smoke, there's this horrific realization that they left the city defenseless. And we know scripturally that also he left it open. They left the door wide open and left the city defenseless. So now, this is, this is it. This, their pride and their arrogance has brought about their own destruction. Remember last week we talked about Proverbs 16, 18. That verse says this, Pride goeth before destruction. Right? Here they go rushing out in their pride. Before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You will not see a, a more clear biblical depiction of that verse than right there. Their pride is their destruction. Remember, guys, they were cocky when they came out. They were full of themselves when they came rushing out. But the smoke now says, destruction, destruction. And when you and I willfully choose to sin against God in our pride and our arrogance, can I tell you that it won't be long before we'll start to see smoke right. rising up in our lives? That's right. Amen. You know why? Because God is not mocked. Right. He says that. God is not mocked. Galatians 6, 7 says this. Be not deceived. Don't fool yourself. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. What you plant, you will get back. Plant evil, you will get evil. And you see what the smoke of this stronghold signals to these men is that guess what? They have no more home. They have nowhere to dwell. It's gone. And recognize when we surrender ourselves to the flesh. Man, we're setting ourselves up for destruction. But when we surrender our flesh to God, you know what happens? Our works, the works of the flesh, they have no more home. There's nowhere for them to dwell. It looks like this, or it should look like this. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Paul's saying, listen, I'm begging you guys. Brethren, he's speaking to the Christian, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. How is it supposed to be? It's supposed to be holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Then verse number two, and be not conformed to this world. Don't allow the world to determine your actions or your attitude, your works, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? With the mind of Christ. That's how you renew your mind. And in renewing our minds, what is this? That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That the Lord would be seen in our lives. We're to give our bodies, our flesh, as a living sacrifice unto God. A sacrifice. Interestingly enough, when we study the book of Exodus, there was the tabernacle. And in the tabernacle, there was the inner court 
right? There was the outer court. And in the outer court, what was interesting, there was a thing there called the brazen altar. And what did they do on that brazen altar? They brought the sacrifices to the altar. And what did they do with them? They burned them. Notice the picture. They burned them. Do you notice what it says in verse number 20? Behold, the smoke of the city ascended up to heaven. When they were in the tabernacle and they were burning those sacrifices, that smoke went up to heaven. Those were sacrifices unto God. And we're told that our flesh is supposed to be a living sacrifice unto God. And what do we do with that living sacrifice? It's given to God. The picture here is a sacrifice. The sacrifice that the works would die. If we're a living sacrifice, listen, we're walking in the Spirit. We're willingly surrendering our will to God's. We're desiring that God would work through our lives. And what happens? The smoke signal, what is it telling them? The battle was lost. Notice what it says in verse 20. And they had no power to flee this way or that way. You see, once the flesh had been conquered by surrendering to the Spirit, the works of the flesh have no strength. They have nowhere to go. They have no home. Galatians 5.16 says this, This I say then, walk in the Spirit. And what's the result of walking in the Spirit? And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Surrender to the Spirit, and the flesh has no power. Amen. Walk in the Spirit and be a living sacrifice. Yes. The smoke signaled to the men of Ai that, listen, they were defeated. It robbed them of their strength and destroyed their confidence. And can I tell you, there's nothing better that can happen to your flesh than to be robbed of its strength and have its confidence destroyed because we talked about last week, our flesh is confident. But see, this only comes through surrendering to the Spirit. In order to become a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, you must surrender. We surrender the authority of our lives to the Lord. And we're going to talk about authority when we get to verse number 23, but we'll get there in a moment. So we see, first of all, that the smoke displayed to the enemies, it's displayed defeat to them. But what's interesting is to, the, to God's people, it displays something completely different. A totally different message is sent through the signal. It signals victory to his people. Verse 20 says this, And the people that fled to the wilderness turned back upon the pursuers. And when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city, and that the smoke of the city ascended, then they turned again, and slew the men of Ai. So now God's army, picturing the Spirit of God, who were running away to lure the enemy out of Ai, guess what they're going to do? They're going to turn back. They are going to turn back. This is as the horrible truth of what has become the city is settling upon the warriors of Ai. Because remember, they're losing their strength. So as the color drains from their faces, and their roars turn into whimpers, and they're overwhelmed by what it is that they see, God's army now turns to fight. And the very same smoke that signaled destruction that weakened the forces of evil now empower God's people against that same evil. Look how the Apostle Paul references this and talks about this scenario in Colossians chapter 3 verses 5 through 10. Notice what he starts with right here. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. And how do those things appear? What is he going to talk about? He's going to talk about the works of the flesh. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. He's saying, you know what you need to do? Kill the works of the flesh. Verse 6, for which things sake, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. That's a promise, just so you know. 
the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. There are people that are right now living in disobedience to God, and can I promise you that God's going to keep that promise? That there is a wrath for that? Remember what it said in Galatians 6, be not mocked, right? Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap. Then he goes further in verse number 8. Notice what he says. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Amen. We see a signal again and again. God's reinforcing the same thing. Listen, God's going to judge unrighteousness. He always will. But you know what? God also always blesses righteousness. He is a consistent God. Verse 3 continues. Colossians 3. Verse 7. In which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. Listen, this is who we were. You were lost. Hey, this is who we were. Verse number 8. But now ye also put off all these. Okay? Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have, notice this, have put off the old man with his deeds, the works of the flesh. Address the works. The old man, that's who we were, man. That's who we were by nature. Listen, if you're a child of God, that's no longer who you are. But notice this, verse 10. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge. Remember, the Word of God after the image of Him that created Him. And listen, it was through knowledge of God's Word that you came to Christ. If you're, if you're saved today, it's how it's through that Word that you were surrendered. It's through that Word that God redeemed you. It's how He restored you. He restored your broken fellowship with Him in the Word. Romans 10, 17, So then faith cometh by hearing. And how does it come? And hearing by the Word of God. That's right. In Paul's description here in Colossians 3, he's describing the same conflict that we see pictured for us at AI. It's exactly the same thing. As God's army now, they're going to turn and they're going to fight their enemy. They're going to face their enemy. But this is important to pay attention to. I tell you, listen, we must always be willing to face our works. There are things that we have done, all of us, that we're sorry for. Amen. There are things we look back in our lives and we are ashamed of. Amen. A lot of us want to box those things up and hide them. Yep. But you know what he's telling us? you got to turn and face them. Those works of the flesh must be addressed. They must be killed. Not just hidden. They must be faced. And though that's difficult to do, can I tell you it sets you free? It sets you free from the power that they have. If we're going to deal with the flesh, we must deal with the works and the past works. The things that we've done. Recognize, man, God wants to do a work. Because remember, the only way to, beat the, to have victory over the flesh is through, is through Christ. Galatians 5.17 says this, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. Okay? Anger, hatred towards the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary. They're battling one another. It says, So that ye cannot do the things that ye would. You know what this tells us? As long as these skirmishes continue within us, where the battle between the flesh and the spirit is going back and forth, as long as we're dealing with this adversity and as long as we're going through this, the cause of Christ is not accomplished. He says, you would not, he says, you cannot do the things that you would. And listen, that's all the devil cares about. He just wants to keep us from being effective. That's all he cares about. Because remember, if you're saved today, you can't, he cannot affect your eternity. He has no power 
over our souls whatsoever. We are sealed unto the day of redemption through the Spirit of God. The earnest, the earnest of our inheritance. We are promised by God. So listen, He can't affect our souls, but you know what He can do? He can affect, the, He can impact the, the effectiveness of our Christian life. And if we get caught up constantly dealing with the struggles of the flesh and the spirit, and we're trying to fight it through our will and our desire, and if I could just do this, and if I could just do that, and if I could just do this, listen, you spend so much time and energy focused there that guess what? Lost people die around us, and we're consumed with ourselves, and the devil sits back and goes, ha job well done. Listen, there is no strength in us going and fighting this on our own. Amen. Listen, our strength is not in us. Our strength is not the key. Because listen, it's not strength that will win the battle. It's weakness. And you hear that and you go, if you don't know the Bible, listen, you'd go, okay, that makes zero sense. <laughs> Your strength is in weakness. That's crazy talk. Did you get hit on the head on the way here? What's going on? But let's recognize what is happening. Paul's going to teach us what this is. We're going to look in 2 Corinthians 12. Recognize Paul's got an issue of the flesh. This thing that's been weighing on him. Three times he asked God to take it away. Three times, Lord, please take it away because he felt like it was, it was impacting his effectiveness. He, he felt like it was going to stop him from being used by God. But God opened his eyes and showed him a reality. Look at this in verse number 9. And he said unto me, this is God speaking to him, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Right? Paul, your ability, your strength, your own fortitude is going to get in the way. Your confidence in yourself, I need you to be weak. Most gladly, therefore, okay, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. And here's the line. Here's the line. If you got a t-shirt made, this is a great one to have. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Amen. He's saying the victory is not in you, it's in me. So our spiritual strength does not come from looking within. It not, does not come from, some, from uh, 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 you know, believing in ourselves. It doesn't come from, from focusing our spiritual energy. Oh, it's none of that stuff. No. It's a matter of surrender. It's about dependence upon God. And as we deal with our own sinfulness, and we're in this battle, listen, it's only God who can bring the victory. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says this, If we confess our sins, notice what it says about God. He is faithful, always. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 17, 18, and then 7, 1. Wherefore... Come out from among them. Come out of the world and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Don't let a, allow the world to determine who you are. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Get out of the works of the flesh. Don't feed your flesh. Verse 18, and will be a father unto you. Listen, we'll have fellowship, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. My sons and daughters. That's a father gathering a child up in their arms. You want a relationship like that with God? He says, listen, deal with the works. Deal with the works, the things that divide. Verse number 1, 7-1. Having therefore these promises, what he just told us, Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. How do we do that? How do we deal with them? Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. God is calling us to holiness. He's calling us to holiness. 
to fellowship with Him. That's why we're here. And so as we confront our fleshly behavior and our sinfulness in the power of God, listen to this, Romans 8, verses 11 through 14. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, you're saved, you've got the Spirit of God. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. No. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do what? Mortify the deeds, the works of the body, the flesh. Ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. How beautiful is that? God wants that fellowship. And He's going, look, I need you to address these issues. Address the flesh. Address the works of the flesh. Do it through surrendering to me. And guess what? You can be victorious. For recognize this, restoration is only by way of the power of God. He's willing to restore anyone, no matter who you are, no matter how far you've fallen. No matter how dark your story may be and how much ruin you may have left behind you, it does not matter because God focuses and loves all of humanity. And so listen, if you're here and you're saying, you know, I'm broken today. You're watching this recorded. And you say, I'm broken today. I'm a mess. I'm a wreck. My life is destroyed. You don't understand when all this happened. You won't believe the choices that I've made and the things that I've heard. You won't believe it. That's right. Now listen. You're going to think, you know what I need to do? I need to, I, I just need to make some changes. I just got to get a, the right circle of friends. I just got to make some, some better choices. I got to get, 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 get the right companion. I got to read the right self-help book. And if I will, I'll just, that brokenness can finally be healed. Mm. And can I tell you, that's a lie straight out of hell. Right. Because this world will never heal you. Right. It will always devastate you. Yes. The Bible says the devil appears as an angel of light. Mm-hmm. He draws us in with something that looks so good. But guess what? He's got a knife behind his back. Right. And when you turn your back and you put trust in him, he will plunge it in. There's so many people today who search the world for happiness, mm-hmm. who are on the verge of suicide today because they thought they'd find solutions there. But there is only one only one Amen. with the power to heal. There's only one yes. with the power to restore, Hallelujah. to forgive, Praise the Lord. to renew. Mm. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Mm. Behold, all things are become new. That's good. What used to be dirty yes. is clean. Hallelujah. Right? What was old is brand spanking mm. new. Glory How Lord. amazing. We can look back in our lives. Some of us who came out of the, the wretches, out of the, out of the slums, out of the brokenness of our hearts, mm. and we were wretched. And we look at ourselves and we go, wow, I know who I was. Amen. But God... But God, He can make us new. Yes. Listen to what He says in Romans 8.1. There is therefore no, to now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, no, but after the Spirit. Forgiven, justified, and redeemed. Mm. Look, <laughs> this, if it's never happened to you, if you say, look, I, I don't know. Today could be your day. 
the day you receive the gift. You could be watching this, and this could be 20 years from now. I don't know. But you could be in your car listening to this as a podcast. And you know what? God can grip your heart through an old recording of some knucklehead in Matthews, North Carolina, and share with you the gospel truth. Amen. Because it's not the man that shares the truth. It's the truth of the Word. Amen. This is what saves us. It's God through His Word. Amen. Our job is just to deliver. The work is up to Him. Mm. But today if you're here and you say, look, that's not, I need it. I need Him. But listen also, what if you're saved today and you're in the thick of this battle? Man, you can hear in your own heart swords and shields slamming against each other as your flesh is in the midst of the battle. Amen. Can I tell you, it's time to surrender. Not to your enemy. But to God. Man, the victory over the flesh is through Christ and Christ alone. Then the third thing He teaches us is this. God will use that smoke to unite God's forces against His enemies. Verse 22 says this, And the other issued out of the city against them, so they were in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side, and they smote them so that they let none of them remain or escape. And so as the city crumbles and as the city burns, the mighty men of valor come rushing out of the city. So we've got the regular army turning this way against the men of Ai. Now the mighty men of valor are pouring out of the city, so they're trapped in between them. They're surrounding the forces. They're going to destroy them. And as we shift this, I want you to shift your mindset out of the internal battle that we're dealing with. I want you to think about the way it manifests in our lives, the way it shows up in someone's someone's life. When the smoke of destruction rises up from the flesh of a believer who is surrendering to God, who's dealing with their fleshly desires by denying them, by, by turning to God, can I tell you that there will be brothers and sisters Brothers and sisters who will see what's going on, that'll be willing to join that fight, Mm -hmm. who will fall on their knees on behalf of their brother or sister who's fighting and will pray unto God. Mm -hmm. Spiritual battles are won on our knees. Amen. They're won through submission to God. They're won they're won through the Word of God. Amen. And listen, if you're in the fight right now and you say, look, you know what, hey, you know what? Smoke's going up, my flesh is on fire, but you know, I'm still dealing with the works. Could you maybe help me out? That's right. Amen. Yeah, I need a little support. Yeah. Right now I feel a little weak. I'm a little, a, bit, a little bit beat up. Can I tell you that this church is ready to stand with you? This pastor is ready to stand yes. with you? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Armored up with a sword in hand, mm-hmm. ready to fight the battle beside you? Because listen, the fight is real. And you need support. Yes. And as God calls these mighty men of valor, they're supporting their brethren. They're fighting united against the enemy. And that's what we're supposed to do. If you're struggling today, man, that's why we're all here. That's why the Bible says not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We're supposed to lift each other up Amen. and battle. Whether it's for restoration or salvation, we're here to fight with you. Listen. So the smoke, we've seen it. First signal defeat for God's enemies. This revealed to them their defeat. It destroyed their confidence. We've seen it signal victory for God's people as it empowered them. It gave them strength and revealed to them their enemy's weakness. And we've seen it unite God's forces against His enemies. What did it do? It rallied God's people to fight for each other. And can I tell you, that's an important piece. If you're not where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing. It's hard to come 
and be ready to fight. If your life, you're struggling with your own sin, your own issues, your own struggles, and your brother needs something, guess what? It's hard to feel like you can come alongside them. When someone doubts their salvation, you know what they don't do? Assure others. Ever. So what does the devil want to do? Make people doubt. Because as soon as he gets you to doubt, you stop talking. But if you knew for sure, you knew who you were. You knew how broken you were. You knew the mess of your life. And you knew God had redeemed you and made you whole. And He saw you as clean. His righteousness, not yours. His blood, not yours. His sacrifice, not yours. That's right. He redeemed you and you knew it. And you were secure. And your brother's struggling. You know what you do? Brother, let me just tell you what God told us in the Word. We're sealed unto the day of redemption. That's a promise from God. And guess what? He can't lie. That's right. Brother, you're safe. You're Amen. secure. And as long as you're struggling, you, you know what? I'll be praying for you. Amen. I'll be right along your side. And if you want to meet one once a week or twice a week or three times a week and you need help, guess what? I'll be there for you. Mm-hmm. We fight for one another from our knees, from the Word. And then lastly, we'll see what the smoke does. Is it will facilitate the surrender of authority. This one's big. Recognize this. Verse 23 tells us, And this king of Ai they took alive and brought him to Joshua. Now as we saw in previous verses, what we saw and actually saw in passages was the king of Ai, he was the authority of the city, but he's also the authority over all of the men. He determined what they did, and he determined when they did it. Back in Colossians 8.14, we saw, the, or Joshua 8.14, it says this, And it came to pass. Remember what had happened in this moment just to set the stage. Joshua had come out. He had come out in the middle of the night. He had shown himself in the plains, and they're looking out upon him. The messengers would have told the king, and here what happens. And it came to pass when the king of Ai saw it, Joshua and his forces, and says that they hasted and rose up early, and the men of the city went out against Israel to battle, he and all his people, at a time appointed before the plain. But he wist not that there were liars in ambush against him behind the city. He's their leader. No doubt about it. And can I tell you, that just like Ai, our flesh has a leader. And it's not Jesus. It is not Jesus. In fact, he is the exact opposite, right? 1 John 4, verses 1 through 3 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Okay? So the world is filled with the influence and authority of a spirit that is not God. And when we were lost... And we knew nothing else. We went to the world right. to determine our direction. What are we going to do? What's the purpose of my life? I would gain my wisdom from the world. I would gain my understanding from the world. And I would find my purpose in the world. It has all of the answers. Verse 2. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Listen, those that verify that Christ is God, that's the Spirit of God, but verse number 3, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of anti 
Christ, the opposite of Christ. Whereof ye have heard that it should come. Listen, this is in the first century, okay? And even now already is it in the world. You heard it was going to come. Well, let me tell you, in the first century, it's here. Can you imagine how well established that same spirit of Antichrist is now several thousand years later? Yeah. Very well established. Mm. And what's the world's take on God? How does the world see it? Hey, man, faith is a crutch for the weak. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. If you're uneducated, it's perfect for you. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 18 through 21 says this, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Verse 19, For it is written, when you see for it is written, he's always referencing an Old Testament scripture. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. He's talking about Isaiah 29, 14. As he says that, listen to what he says next. Where is the wise... Where is the scribe? These are the educated people of the world. Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolishness the wisdom of this world? Listen. Mm -hmm. Verse 21. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. The wisdom of this world will draw us away from God, tell us we don't need God, that it's all a crutch, it's all a bunch of made-up stuff, it's a ridiculous idea and notion. But listen to this. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching, what we're doing right here, to save them that believe. The world says true wisdom is found in human intellect. Go to your flesh for answers. And listen, Satan will reinforce that thinking with everything he possibly can. The world says, listen, don't believe in God. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Your problem is you don't have enough self-confidence. I can tell you your problem is you have too much (laughs) self-confidence. Straight up. And listen, when we do believe in ourselves, when we do believe in ourselves, what are we doing? We're submitting ourselves to the authority of this world. For you see, our confidence in ourselves, what does it do? It leads us to make self-destructive decisions, mm-hmm. behaviors that will hurt us. Listen, as we allow our lusts and our desires to guide us, Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 5, and you hath he quickened, he's speaking to the, to the church, quickened means brought to life spiritually. So you hath he brought to life spiritually, who were dead in trespasses. We had a dead spirit. If you want to understand how your body works, you have a body, a soul, and a spirit. A good way to analogize it is like a football. A football has a skin. That's the body. But inside of that skin, there's another perfect version of it that's made out of rubber. That's the bladder. That's your soul. It's just like a physical body, but it's a spiritual body. It looks just like your physical body. But the inside of that, there's air. Now, when you're, when, you're, when you're lost, guess what? You're a flat football. You have no use. You can't play with a flat football. You ever try that? <laughs> oh, no good. So what do you do? You fill it with air. <laughs> And when it's brought to life, guess what? It suddenly becomes usable. God uses the life of a person who's been brought to life spiritually. They've been quickened. They've been brought to life. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world. You did exactly what everyone else did. You followed the course of destruction according to the prince of the power of the air. Satan rules this place and he guides our, guides our steps. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. The lost world is being led down a destructive path. We can see it all around us. Verse 3. 
among whom also we all had we all had our conversation. Conversation doesn't mean just the things we say. It's the life that we live. It's the, it's the lifestyle. So among whom we all had our life in times past. And what was that? What did it look like? The lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Here's the good news. But God. Amen. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. So God sees us in our mess. He sees us in our sin. He sees us in our destructed state. And yet He loves us because He knows what we can become. Even when we were dead in sins, while we were at our deepest, darkest moment, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Grace means to be given something that's not deserved. That's God's grace. And so as the battle between the flesh and the spirit rages on, it comes down to this. Who will we put in the authority of our life? Who will call the shots? Will it be God through His Spirit? Listen to Ephesians 4, 22-27. That ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness, and notice this, mm. true Holiness, a living sacrifice. Verse 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth unto his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Listen, be ye angry and sin not. It's okay to be angry. Somebody can do something wrong to you and you can get angry. And it's not a problem until it turns into, you know what I'm going to do now? Oh, yeah, you think, you think I'm ticked off now? You just wait. I'm getting ready to unleash on you, bruh. It's going to be bad. You're going to see nothing but fists. Like a whirlwind. Right? Because what happens, it's okay for somebody to do us wrong. It's okay to be angry. But it's all a matter of what do we allow it to manifest into. As soon as it turns into something and we react in a negative way, guess what? It has become sin. Be angry and sin not. And he says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. You know why? Because it poisons you. It poisons you. How many people lay in bed thinking of the things they're running through their mind of all the things of their day? And they develop bitterness. Mm-hmm. Bitterness is anger that's, that becomes a part of who we are. A hatred that we carry in our hearts. And we somehow think that it's going to hurt the other person. But they're not even affected by it. I'm, you know, when I see them, I'm not going to look at them. Teach them a lesson. They don't even know you're doing anything. And you're inside, you're like, man, I'm really laying into them right now, boy. They're feeling this. Silly. But you know what? It eats us up. Right. It's like drinking poison to kill somebody else. It doesn't make sense. But forgiveness, what does forgiveness do? It sets us free. It sets us free. And it's ultimately what we're supposed to do to them. But the very last verse there, then verse 27, it says, neither give place to the devil. Yes. When it says give place, you can also translate it to say give authority. Yeah. Don't give authority to the devil. Amen. Don't give him the authority in your life. Right. Because listen, we either give authority in our lives to God through submitting to his spirit and following him. 
or we allow Satan through our flesh to lead us. Just like we talked about last week, as Eric reiterated to us, right? Will I, will I honor God or will I sin? That's right. Which will I do? See, whoever's your authority will help you determine that choice. Right. If I'm following my flesh, I'm going to choose sin. But if I'm following God, I want to honor the one that's leading me. Simple choice. Listen, the Israelites brought the authority of their enemy before Joshua. Do you notice that? They brought the king of Ai before Joshua, a picture of Jesus Christ. And when you and I bring the authority of our flesh, the works of our flesh, the will of our flesh before our Lord, we place the authority of our flesh, the authority of the works of our flesh at our Savior's feet. This is important. See, we want to know how to have victory over our flesh. They're telling us. They're showing us. The question is, will we do what they did? The question we have to ask ourselves is this. What does our life, what does it signal to the people around us? What does it show them? Because I can promise you it's showing them something. I promise you. Does your life proclaim that you have surrendered to the flesh? Because people just see the works of the flesh. They see your anger. They hear your scream. They look at your shaking fist as you rage at the world. Do they see that surrender to the flesh? Or is the smoke that rises off of your defeated flesh displayed to the world around you because of how God's using your life and how they see your surrender to walking with Him? Victory or defeat is a choice. It's all determined based upon who we surrender to. Amen. Amen. Listen, the Israelites, they made the right choice. We saw what they did with that. They made the right choice. The question is, will we? You got to choose. And every day, when circumstances and situations arrive, we get to choose. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for today. For your word, God, thank you for showing us what it looks like to defeat the enemy. Show us, Lord, the strategy that we need to apply and imply, Lord, in, into our lives and the way that we deal with our own selves. Lord, there is a battle raging within us. Lord, for some of us, Today, Lord, we're here and we're saying, you know what? I don't know Christ. The battle that rages in my heart right now is, is the fact that the devil is trying to keep me consumed by the world as God calls out to your heart. And with your head, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, listen, if you're here today and you say, look, I don't know where I stand with God. I know I'm frightened. I know right now that I, I have been beaten by life. I know that right now I've been looking for solutions in the world for way too long. And I am not any closer to finding the joy, the peace, the love that I was created for. And can I promise you that you can find it in Christ. If you're watching this recorded and you say, look, you know what? I, I feel God calling me. Listen, there's nothing complicated in regards to receiving Christ. 
There's no magic prayer. There's no ceremony that needs to be done. There's no candles to be lit. It's nothing more than you making a choice of giving up the authority, taking it from Satan, and giving it to Christ. He loves you more than you can possibly imagine. And as you feel Him drawing you, all you have to do, all you have to do is respond. The Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And can I promise you right now, the Lord is offering you the gift of salvation as we speak. And as He offers it to you, all you have to do is receive it by faith. The Bible says for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. We all have the same problem. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, meaning that the price for our sin is a separation from God. But then there's this beautiful verse, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then the Bible says this, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise from God. And if you're listening to this in your car riding down the road, you can call out to God. I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray. Again, it won't be the words of the prayer. It's your heart that God's listening to. And if you're ready to receive Him, He's offering you the gift of salvation right now. All you have to do is receive it. So their heads bowed and our eyes closed. You can pray in your heart and mind or in your car out loud. I don't care. But you can pray this prayer with me to receive Christ. Repeat after me. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I have no doubt of who I am. God, I know that I've failed you. I failed myself. And I failed my family. And I am so sorry for my sin. Today, I hear your call on my heart. And I'm responding. Today, Lord, I trust that you died on the cross for my sins, that you love me, and that you're willing to save me through that death. I'm asking you right now, in the best way I know how, to come into my heart, to forgive me of my sins, and give me a home in heaven. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. I'll see you in heaven one day. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.